Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Pool Cleaner Hour, my possibly weekly, possibly bi-weekly podcast of various things of various interests. It's your host, Tinkerbuff from the internet, and for the next little bit of time, I'll be filling your ears with ramblings as you lounge in your mind's pool to cool off or heat up. It's your pool, you decide. I'm just here to make it comfy. So, this week, we're going to be talking about your potential secret friends. Have you ever felt like you were being watched when you knew you were the only one home? Have you ever had things get misplaced or vanish for no reason? You ever find trash in your house that you know didn't come from anything you had or have ever purchased? Well, you may just have a secret friend or a freeloading roommate living in your walls. There are simply an unacceptable amount of cases where people find out that someone has been living in their house without their knowledge. Sometimes it's for quite a while. Other times they get discovered quickly. And in rare instances, it can even be something along the lines of a cryptid. But I have here a collection of real-life accounts in which people discover they were not alone, even in their most private dwellings. We're going to open up with probably the most famous one, Tatsuko Horikawa. In 2008, a 57-year-old resident in Japan was convinced he was the victim of relentless burglaries. He kept finding food missing, things moved around, and something just felt off. He called the police who investigated his home, but found all the doors and windows were locked. The man, who chose not to reveal his name, installed security cameras in his house. To his horror, he saw a woman leaving from the very top shelf of one of the closets where she would make her way to the fridge and steal food, and then make her way back into the closet. Calling the police again, they searched all over until they found her curled up and nervous in a closet. She was noted as remarkably clean, and she immediately confessed to taking showers while the man was away. She never stole any valuables or money, just his food and water for the shower and the toilet. She had also slept in several other houses before finding this gentleman's residence, where she had bunkered down for an entire year. She never told them, and they never found out just how she got inside. She was arrested without any incident on trespassing charges. Theodore Edward Conies, also known as the Denver Spider-Man. This man in 1941 broke into an old acquaintance's house and found a trap door leading to his attic. The deranged man scurried into a narrow passageway and found himself at home for five weeks. During this time, the homeowner, Philip Peters, was away at a hospital, visiting his sick wife, so Theodore had to place mostly to himself. When the homeowner found Theodore raiding his icebox, he attacked him, but the creeper beat Philip to death with a cast-iron skillet. Worried neighbors heard the fight, and within the hour, police were at the house searching for Theodore, but no one could find any trace of him. The police chalked it up to the man running and sent out a search party. Soon, the homeowner's wife returned from the hospital. A good friend stayed with her to help get her house in order and to cope with the brutal slaying of her husband. For months, the two noticed strange noises and things missing. Her friend was absolutely convinced that the house was haunted, especially after having such a horrific murder take place inside of it. Miss Peters moved to live with her son, leaving the house vacant once more. Police didn't really like this ghost story. They sent detectives to snoop around and do some staking out. In July of 1942, so a year later, two detectives saw the figure of someone inside the house and ran in. They couldn't find anything and couldn't see where anyone had broken in, but then they heard noises above them. 
They quickly opened the closet door to see a pair of legs scurrying into the attic. They both grabbed a leg and yanked the vermin of a man out where they promptly arrested him, and he confessed to everything. The X. We all got one of those X stories, right? This one uh, might hit a little close to home. It was in 2012, single mother Tracy and her five children had a house in South Carolina to call their own. Or so they thought. They kept hearing strange noises throughout the night. They'd wake up to find plaster and nails had fallen onto their bed and their floors while they slept. Strange smells wafted through the halls and they started to feel like someone was watching them. Tracy had a nephew investigate their attic after a night of hearing some rustling around, something too big to be a rat. The nephew at first didn't see anything, but once he investigated the deeper bowels of the attic, he found Tracy's ex from 12 years ago sleeping. He woke him up and the ex made a frantic escape, but was apparently smiling the entire time. He left behind photos, cassettes, toys, and several cups of feces and urine and all of it was left above a hole which led to a vent which looked down on Tracy's bed. The Unknown Puppy Savior In 1997, Amber Dawn moved into an apartment in Washington. Upon first arrival, she did notice a strange trap door in the attic that looked like it had been pulled inward from the inside the attic instead of hanging down like an attic door normally would. But her and the landlord just chalked it up to maintenance. It wasn't long, though. She began hearing footsteps above her, and she called the landlord, who swore they hadn't been in her house. Amber really liked this apartment, and she let herself believe, you know, it's just rodents, maybe it's a squirrel, maybe it's a raccoon, I'm not going to worry about it. But then, things like food started disappearing. And one day, when Amber's apartment had flooded from busted pipes, she came home to see her nine-month-old puppy had been placed in the bathroom sink high above the water, and it was much higher than it ever could have jumped on its own. Confused but thankful and hoping it was just the landlord doing her a solid, she still wasn't entirely convinced. It wasn't until she was taking a bath and she saw the attic door fall open. She grabbed her puppy, a hammer, and ran outside to call the police. Police searched the area. They never found the man, but in the attic they found food, books, and a sleeping bag. Velma Kellen's Crawlspace Buddy 73-year-old Velma Kellen spent a handful of months one Washington winter wondering why the front of her house was so cold. She tried adjusting the temperatures and checking the vents, but everything seemed normal. Getting frustrated, she called out a specialist who gave everything a thorough search. Once the HVAC technician went under her house, though, he made a startling discovery. Someone had cut open a hole in her ventilation shaft to heat the space under the house. They found bedding, empty beer cans, and empty liquor bottles, but they never found the squatter. There's actually a term for this sort of crime and jackassery and violation of people's well-being. It's a little too cutesy for my liking, considering how much this can really fuck someone up. And anytime you give it a term like this, it can easily become mistaken as an urban legend or something trendy to do. But that term is frogging, with a PH, but originating from the idea of frogs hopping around from one place to the other. A person who does this is called a frog or a frogger. When I first heard this term on an A&E special, I actually didn't believe it was real. It kind of sounds like some dumb boomer shit when they try to say, like, LOL means Lucifer our Lord. But it's a replacement for the word squatting, which can mean dwelling in any place wherever, 
Whereas frogging is specifically uh, somebody living in an already occupied dwelling where they know someone lives there and they kind of bounce around between homes. So there is a slight difference. Um, whereas squatting, if you squat in a uh, abandoned place for a long time, you can uh, really stupidly claim squatters' rights and make it a legal issue. Whereas frogging, you just get your ass arrested or shot. Ezekiel Zayas. In 2019, a family was returning to their home in Hawaii, where they had only been gone for a week. They immediately found someone inside their house who had not only moved in, but trashed the place. When they tried to enter their home, they saw someone peeking at them through the door windows and was trying to hold it shut. He was wearing the husband's clothes, and he kept telling them to leave, that this is not their house. The police came and drug the man out with mu not much incidents there but everything in the house was covered in urine, feces, and just bile. They found unidentifiable experiments in the kitchen of random substances and materials. Their belongings and values were so beyond destroyed that they just had to get rid of things. And then, most shocking of all, they found notes and entries on the family computer. They found diary logs for both of them, and enough details to let investigators know that Zayas had been watching them for a while. The notes made statements about converting the two from omnivores to something Zayas would call Ezekiel's. There were also notes on how he planned to perform surgeries on them. This maniac was arrested, but somehow in a wild miscarriage of justice, was released on supervised custody. And that supervision was apparently jack and shit because he was almost immediately caught causing havoc. Um, he was arrested again after disrupting a bunch of stuff at a Buddhist temple. In his jail cell, he beat a prisoner to death by repeatedly punching him in the head and then stomping on his skull. Officers had to restrain him and force him to stop, and the cellmate was rushed to the hospital where he would then die from these injuries. Zayas was finally arrested and finally charged with first and second degree murder. So, super cool of law enforcement to let all that happen after they arrested a man who openly left notes about mutilating people and doing experiments on them and they just let him go. Yeah, very, very cool, guys. All right, one more, and then I'm going to get to the supernatural froggers that aren't ghosts. Mauricio Damien Guerrero became obsessed with an OnlyFans model after finding her online. He started out with digital stalking around 2022. Uh, his demons then fully took over, and he found her home address in New Hampshire. The 20-year-old was able to steal the woman's house keys and sneak into her house where she still lived with her family. He made it into the attic, and he would only come down at night to film her sleeping. The woman's mother was first to hear the large sounds and creaking from the attic. Thinking smart, she called the cops. She didn't fall for any of the possible squirrel theories. She didn't let herself think, like, oh, it's probably just this or that. She just immediately called the police. The police found this jackass trying to call out of the crawl out of the attic and onto the roof. Like, <laughs> where was he gonna go? <laughs> so they arrested him. Uh, they found photos and videos on his phone. He also openly confessed to uh, planning on sticking a tracking device to her car. But guess what? Even though he was arrested on four counts of burglary, he was bailed out of jail before the trial could even happen. Thankfully, this woman was at least able to file a restraining order, and fingers crossed, she also bought a gun. All right, we got to talk about Jeff. We need to talk about Jeff. Spelled G-E-F, not with a J. This is a allegedly true account 
from 1931. It's a multi-dimensional, kind of perverted, wise-cracking weasel from India to a small British island to hide in one family's walls. And by weasel, I mean a weasel, as in the animal, like a ferret. Um, it captured news headlines, called for investigators, and to this day is technically a mystery that's never been solved. The Irving family owned a farmhouse and was never known to be particularly eccentric people. But all this changed when our boy Jeff moved in. The family started hearing scratching and whispering from inside their walls, and soon those whispers became more audible, while other times the ferret spoke to the family psychically. Jeff told them up front, hey, I'm a ferret. But he also said that I might be a ghost in ferret form. But either way, he was quoted to have said, I am a freak. I have hands. I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt. Uh, but Jeff, Jeff wasn't all that bad. He would actually uh, foretell when guests would be showing up unannounced. Uh, if somebody forgot to turn off the stove, he'd put out the fire. He warned the family of strange dogs and other animals outside. And if somebody accidentally overslept, he actually would give them a wake-up call from the walls. The Irvings grew rather fond of their strange beast, and they were said to have fed him biscuits, chocolates, and bananas, which they'd leave out on a saucer and would only vanish when no one was watching. Jeff was also taken with his new forced family, and he would spend some nights sharing with them gossip that he had collected all around the town. He would tell them secrets and scandals all from within the walls of their home, but never coming out to see them. Jeff then informed him uh, that his favorite sanctum in the home was an unreachable alcove in their daughter's room. Their daughter, Vore, taught Jeff how to better his English and read, read him nursery rhymes throughout the day and night, and they formed a odd bond. The parents were naturally a little concerned, and they planned to move Vore's bed out of her room, but when they did, Jeff threw a total hissy fit. He began screaming and clawing at the walls. Rocks were being thrown from seemingly nowhere and everywhere. Jeff swore and his voice became demonic, and he promised them that he would follow her wherever they moved her to. So, not super cool, Jeff. Four years had passed. Four years of this weasel. Uh, so, 1935, a paranormal investigator, Harry Price, and his colleague, Harold Dennis, came to the island. Jeff had become pretty famous in the tabloids, and though a lot of people shrugged it off as a family just being weird or acts of ventriloquism, many others needed to know for themselves. They found hair and took molds of bite marks that they found in the walls. The hair was determined to be a dog through lab testing, but the Irvings, and the Irvings did own a dog, so that was just kind of tossed out. The teeth marks, however, they've never been identified. The only conclusion they did determine was that it absolutely did not resemble a ferret or a weasel of any kind. Price and Dennis spent an entire day with the Irvings, and most of the night without hearing Jeff even once. It wasn't until 11.45pm that Dennis made an announcement that he was leaving. The classic, uh, well, I better get going. Then Jeff barked, who is that man? Go away. Mr. Irving gripped Dennis's arm and explained, that's him. That's Jeff. So this, uh, this is an excerpt from a part of Dennis's first-hand account. Shrill screams, accompanied by terrific knocking and loud bangs, emanated from all parts of the house in quick succession, as if the perpetrator moved with lightning speed. 
The bangs appeared to come from the roof, Mr. and Mrs. Irving's room, over the kitchen, and on the staircase. The noise continued for about 15 minutes, culminating with tremendous bangs, as if someone had been thrown with great violence upstairs. So we went again to Voray's room, and found that a heavy chair, which Miss Irving had put on the staircase covering, had been flung from its place and fallen partly on the bed and partly on the chest of drawers. Voray, who was awake, said, Oh, it's only more of Jeff's tricks, but did not appear at all perturbed. After this, and over the next few years, Jeff relaxed a little more and more on his own. When Mr. Irving died, Voray moved away, and Jeff did not follow. Miss Irving had to sell the house at a loss because of the haunting coverages. But when she did, it was purchased by an actor who within a year claimed to have shot Jeff. He tried to put it on a carcass on display, but nobody believed him. I don't think anybody wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to hear that the school cryptid got shot and they were probably over it at this point. It was the 30s. People had things to do. Voray saw the body herself, though, and she said there's no way it's Jeff. This creature that the actor shot was black and white, and Jeff had specifically described himself as yellow and brown. So, go fuck yourself. Voray Irving actually uh, lived until 2005, so not even that long ago. Um, and for her entire life, she... <laughs> entire life? She... <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> she always insisted Jeff was a real creature. She strayed from the spotlight and declined interviews and stories. Her childhood was very Jeff-centered, and she just wanted to be done with all the noise and the crashing and potential for violence. To this day, there has never been an official confirmation on what actually happened and what, if anything, was living in the Irving's walls. Oh, also in uh, 2019, somebody found out a lady was living in the walls of a hotel she was staying at. Behind the mirror, there was a piece of drywall removed, and she was only caught because the guests walked in on the woman about to crawl back into the walls. Good luck sleeping later.